This is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Loki finale, season two, episode six, Glorious Purpose. But by then, Cat was out of the bag. A couple hunters died. All because that one hunter, he lost sight of the big picture. You gotta keep the big picture in mind. Most purpose is more burden than glory. And trust me, you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden. How do you live with it? Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, where our glorious purpose is to bring you our thoughts and theories of the finale of Loki Season 2, Episode 6, aptly titled Glorious Purpose. I'm one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek. It is quite aptly titled, and I only realized or only remembered today when I was putting together my notes that this was the same name as the first episode of Loki Season 1, so uh, entirely coming full circle or arborossing it. Yes, book ending. <laughs> yes, the, the show that's eating its own tail. It certainly is, yeah. uh, but gloriously, it uh-huh. did redeem itself uh, massively for me, yeah. um, so good stuff, uh, uh-huh. Loki. And the the writers and directors, uh, I possibly got it wrong. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll uh, we'll definitely discuss it. This is a great episode of the show. Definitely a great way to close out the series. It certainly is. Uh, but before we get into our spoiler-filled discussions for this finale, uh, remember, fellow defenders, if you're just recently joining us, or if you haven't been bothered to do it but have been listening along for some <laughs> time, you can head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast on any mischievous or godlike podcast catcher of your choice. Mm-hmm. Remember, as well, you can send in your thoughts, theories, observations, you name it, by email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And, of course, we do have our Facebook group over on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries, where we do leave our spoiler filled posts for every episode of every show that we cover, including this one, Loki. Um, Although a little late, I guess, in the day (laughs) to be saying that. But nonetheless, uh, always good to know, fellow defenders. Absolutely. And those are the best ways to contact us. If you ever want to contact us in the future, we do get some emails in after we finished off our podcasts on shows. Uh, The one thing we won't be talking about in this episode is whether there's a connection to the Marvels, the latest MCU movie that also came out this weekend. We're going to reserve that for our discussion about the movie. It is great fun, though. We went to see it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a good, a good laugh uh, of an MCU it movie. Certainly was yeah. uh, very unexpected. I actually uh-huh. really enjoyed the the fast pace of it. To be honest, yeah, it is fast. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half, just yeah. over an hour and a half. Took um, me back to eighties yeah. movies where there was no messing around. Mm-hmm. Straight in, uh, get your toes 
And head wet all at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, even include a good montage as well. What 80s movie didn't have a montage? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, we will be talking about that on our next episode. So if you want to get in your thoughts about the Marvels, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to the Facebook group. There is a spoiler post for that as well. There. Good stuff. Uh, Derek, let's get into this uh, discussion. Who gave us what, where, when and why? Well, the show was created, of course, for TV by Michael Waldron. Uh, this episode, once again, written by Eric Martin and, of course, directed by the wonderful Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, who we mentioned earlier on this season, in case you missed it, they've been brought on board to, as directors for the brand new Daredevil Born Again uh, remaster, redux, redone uh, show. <laughs> re-everything. Uh, re-everything show uh, that's coming up uh, hopefully in late 2024 going into 2025. So uh, other big news this week, actually, John, since I didn't mention it, uh, Marvel have moved every movie out of 2024 now. Because the writer strikes and the actor strikes, they had been delayed by a few months. Filming had stopped on the, Cap- the new Captain America movie back in June when the writer strike stopped, started um, and now they've moved all of those movies out into 2025. So the only Marvel movie coming out next year is Deadpool 3, the first Deadpool movie in the MCU. I know that sounds weird, but that is the first and only uh, wow. Marvel movie coming out next year. Wow. Um, gosh, it really does, and hence the power of strikes. It yeah. does uh, move production back, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, and of course, that strike is now complete it is over yes yes uh i guess never say this is the last offer we're going to give um i think i heard that at least three times off the studios so silly um such our last and final offer yeah uh, in a negotiation they tried to do the same thing with the writers as well they, they yep. came out with this thing saying this is our last and final offer and then two days later they renegotiated again like <laughs> you can't decide your last and final offer you can say this is our best offer that we're going to make you can say something like that of course but it's not last and final until it's been agreed by both sides no, right? exactly but, but we have come to an agreement both sides have agreed uh, that the, for the next three years they will uh, have a much better uh, pay relationship particularly for the most lower paid of actors and for the most lower paid of, of writers uh, other things that are in the deal are, um, that are going to make it a better industry to work in uh, which I think is all all fair a lot of uh, a lot of concern over the role of AI within writing and within um, creating uh, background characters for example from the faces of uh, people who would be considered extras and consider that their regular job now they have protections um that will allow them to work in the industry and actually get paid for it which is exactly what should be happening right yeah absolutely um so well done yes well done i guess in three years time we'll have another one because who knows what crazy boards of companies will be thinking up to save money mm-hmm. uh, to simply pay their investors. Yeah, exactly, rather than paying the actual people that yeah. have to create it. But, uh, but they've made agreement now, so uh, so no more uh, no more moaning about it anymore. Um, it was great to see people like uh, Tom Hiddleston being interviewed oh, on absolutely. chat shows yeah. about, about um, the TV show, of course, Loki, uh, this week. Also, Aman Vellani going out, um, meeting people at uh, a movie theatre, watching the Marvels. We saw Brie Larson also on uh, advertising the the Marvel's movie uh, on talk shows this, uh, from Friday, so uh, they were straight back into it this week directly after the uh, the um, strike was over. So uh, great to see them all back. And one thing I did notice from the interview with Tom Hiddleston, which is relevant to Loki in this final episode of Loki, uh, he 
talked about the show as being the closeout of his 14 yeah, years of I, history in yeah, the MCU. Interesting. Yeah. So while I would say it's not off the table that Loki will return at some point in the future that he could come back, I think this is the closeout. I think this is the end of the story. We're not going to get a season three of Loki. We're not going to have a Loki movie coming up uh, unless there's some other negotiations going on in the future, of course. Yeah, but exactly. it sounded like yeah, an end for Tom. Interesting thoughts yeah. uh, from that Jimmy Kimmel episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for Loki season two, episode six, the finale, Glorious Purpose? Sure. Loki time slips to the moment before the temporal loom's explosion. Despite his attempts, the loom always fails as it cannot scale up to accommodate the infinite branches. Loki slips again, this time to the moment before Sylvie kills He Who Remains, who tells Loki that the loom is a failsafe. Overloading it protects the sacred timeline by deleting the branches along with the TVA. Loki tries to stop Sylvie from killing He Who Remains over and over again, but to no avail. As he attempts to stop Sylvie again, He Who Remains freezes her and tells Loki there is only one way to save the loom, which is to kill Sylvie. Loki rejects this idea. After speaking with Mobius and Sylvie at different moments in time, Loki replaces Victor Timely and goes out into the temporal radiation to destroy the loom. As the timelines begin to wither, Loki uses his magic to revive the dying timelines. Pulling the branches together as he makes his way to He Who Remains His Throne, he arranges them into a branching structure resembling the world's tree. Sitting atop of time on the throne of He Who Remains, he commits himself to overseeing the branches in solitude at the end of time. The TVA accepts the growing branches and now tracks He Who Remains variants, with Mobius reporting one of them having been stopped at Earth 616's adjacent realm. B-15 becomes one of the TVA's leaders, Ouroboros reactivates a now friendly Miss Minutes, and writes a new TVA guidebook with Timely as a co-author. In 1863, Victor Timely does not receive the TVA guidebook, Renslayer awakens in the void and encounters Elioth, Mobius retires from the TVA, he meets Sylvie at his home to observe Don and his children for a few moments. As Sylvie leaves him behind, Mobius says he's going to stay a little while longer. Oh, sacred timeline, oh, sacred timeline, how lovely are your branches. <laughs> exactly. A few decorations coming into the festive season, I think, on that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Uh, what an episode. Uh, yeah, really good. Uh, really interesting, really well put together, and um, what a great ending for this character, uh, finding his glorious purpose, Loki, uh, finding it right at the centre of the sort of world's tree. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved this. Um, just the, the melancholy, the resignation on, on Loki, I thought was really good towards the end. Yeah. But, but also the fulfillment of what he's doing. Um, the other aspect of this, I thought, which was really good was the music. Just fantastic oh, yeah. variants of the theme throughout this episode. I loved the, the musical score and, the the soundtracks that were being brought in as well just mm-hmm. so good um even the end credits just really enjoyed um these different variations of uh the theme of loki so hats off to natalie holt for the music uh throughout the, the seasons mm-hmm. um and also uh, for this episode in particular oh, really really so good. good so good just sitting back enjoying the 
closing credits for the episode. No post-credit scene uh, in the episode, but enjoying the music and enjoying the closeout. But I thought the music that Natalie Holt had for um, Loki gathering together the timelines particularly was really iconic. It's a, it's a real standout. Uh, great stuff. Will we go and talk about our top five variants, John? Absolutely. Uh, yes, let us get into our first variant, Professor Loki. I think we had to call it Professor Loki. Uh, just because there's, there's one point that I just thought was interesting about this, which is how long he spends trying to fix the time loom. Uh, we've already had that for a few episodes uh, so far this season, trying to fix the time loom. That has been a problem that they identified back in episode two, right? So the whole season has been trying to fix the time loom to get it to knit together more and more of these branching yeah. timelines back into this sacred timeline. And here we have Loki trying every single thing he can i think it works really well this idea of this uh, looping time that he keeps going back over and over again and then makes decisions like okay we have to go back earlier right uh, we'll go back earlier what things need to change here to make this timeline yeah. even shorter and no matter what he does timely spaghettifies effectively well that's it it, it reminded me of fat boy slim track eat sleep spaghetti repeat uh, in, <laughs> in this case yes um but yeah trying to do it faster and faster just mm-hmm. these iterations it actually reminded me at some points where loki is uh where he's he's saying right get in get out get suited up mm-hmm. down the gangway load the multiplier hit the green button and get back it reminded me of Shaun of the dead oh very like, good yeah, yeah. You no know, we'll be back in time at the winchester for a nice pint Love. kind of thing yeah uh in this case he ends up on his golden throne uh, at the end of time but i it re- really remind just the the intonation of how he was trying to sort of corral his team to get this done faster and faster and faster you know always trying to speed it up at all points so that those radiation levels are a bit lower for victor so he can actually reach uh the end of the gangways to launch the multiplier you know i I loved all the little details you know from previous failed attempts where he's like you know he says to Casey, remember Latch's helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't set the multiplier down, otherwise it will roll off the, the gangway, you know. And finally, when it's there, you, hit, you know, Victor Stanley hits the green button, nothing happens. Yeah. And you just have Loki saying, the green button uh, can be a little sticky. Yeah, try it again. Uh, try, try it again. again. Yeah. You know, I, I liked all those details. I liked how that all kind of fitted uh, to get together, you know, with certain with all the different members of the team. I think Sylvie says, you know, why are you being so weird? Mm-hmm. You know, and Mobius questioning what is going on here? You know, what are you doing? Yeah. And all this sort of faster, this kinetic energy, faster, faster, faster. Yeah. I did like it where uh, Victor Timely says, this all seems a little rushed, <laughs> except it's been centuries in the making, as we know. Well, so exactly. I like well, that, that kind of whole thing. That is the, the bit I wanted to pull out there, the, uh, why we're calling it Professor Loki, because there is a moment where he asks uh, OB and Casey how long would it take to learn everything that they know, and they, and he's told centuries, and then it just has the title coming up saying centuries later. So, <laughs> exactly. so we know, obviously, Loki is a god. He has been around for centuries, but he spent centuries just learning everything he needed to know for this plan to work. And it still doesn't work. And kind of to justify the difference in my feelings anyway for this episode versus how this happened earlier on in the season where we had this exposition 
repeat exposition, repeat, and it didn't achieve the goal that they were looking for. This time, I think it was just so much better written and and uh, shown on screen when things fail, the way the build-up works. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're expecting it to uh, happen this time. Finally, Timely's got to the position he needs to be in. He pushes the button and things still go bad. I think the way it was actually delivered on screen just worked so much better than how it had been done earlier on in the season. So while it's the same outcome, it's actually in the execution uh, on this episode. Yeah, it was it really good. So much better. Yeah, it was yeah. superb. Really, yeah. really good. And ultimately fails. And the explanation we get from Victor Townley is this scaling issue because mm-hmm. the timelines are just branching at an infinite rate. So you're getting infinite different branches coming through. And so this loom can never... Uh, be big enough to accommodate and deal and cope with all these timelines to be mm-hmm. woven into the sacred timeline. Um, so I, I really like that. So I, I kind of like, you know, there was that moment of triumph, that moment of joy from them all just then as it effectively explodes again, mm-hmm. uh, which I think brings us on to variant two, uh, it, which is he who remains versus Loki here. Yes. Or, or the next stage of the eat, sleep, prevent murder repeat <laughs> in this sense. Yeah. Uh, you know? A different time loop. Yeah, um, a different time loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was really interesting as well. Yeah, I, think, I will um, say after watching this episode again, and I did watch season one twice um, after we'd finished the, our, our podcast about it years ago. I have watched it a couple of times since. And one thing that really strikes me is Jonathan Majors as He Who Remains is so compelling on screen. Victor Timely's fine. He's a good character. He's interesting. He's different to He Who Remains. He's different to Kang. But He Who Remains on screen, this Jonathan Majors character, the first version of this Kang variant that we saw, is definitely my favorite. Every time he speaks, just his intonation, his delivery how he's talking the arrogance of the character really really come across and i love watching him on screen i love that we had these moments again and different moments with loki sylvie and he who remains at the uh, at the end of time i thought they were really really good moments just fantastic for this series yeah i i loved um you know the the rinse and repeat of this were Sylvie is still killing he who remains off screen mm. and all you hear is see you soon absolutely see you soon <laughs> it's just like really really good yeah um you but know, it does confirm your theory from earlier on in the season that effectively this is his entire plan we saw that at the end of last season he was saying that he had laid the path for Sylvie and loki to get there but not only that he'd laid the path for everywhere they've gone this season as well yeah he confirms who do you think is behind this, Loki? It was me. I laid the path for you to get here again this way. How many times have we had this conversation? So, yeah, and uh, to his point, you know, it's resurrection, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I know what's going to happen. I like that moment there where he then freezes um, Sylvie mm-hmm. uh, with his own temper. And there are a number of conversations in this episode that I absolutely adored i thought they were it was such good acting and mm-hmm. um, really good dialogue and this this one between he who remains and loki was you know just so good Amazing. where he explains you know that he paved the way for him and he's like how many times have you been at this like he knows that loki is learning how to stop the loom how he did that yeah. that he is learning how to stop his time slipping and, and to control it and ultimately, um, you know, 
as he explains that this temporal loom is in effect a failsafe to protect the sacred timeline mm -hmm. by deleting all branches except the sacred one. Um, and that ultimately the destruction of the TVA is simply collateral damage. So that yeah. he who remains is the one who remains. Exactly. Um, everything else, including Kang and mm -hmm. his variants, all gone. And for him, the TVA is the sacrifice that he's willing to deal with in order to maintain himself as the the godlike figure at the mm -hmm. end of time um and you know whatever what does he say whatever um the outcome the equation remains the same you lose Absolutely. Um, and i just love how this plays out with him and uh, between jonathan majors and tom hiddleston because just their reactions on the faces as this new information mm -hmm. is being passed to loki it's just really really good you know i love that kind of defiance of loki because he must be going you know i'm a god yeah. and he who remains in some ways almost taunts him by you know all the knowledge from the previous uh, meeting of him where he's like, I'm just a man, I'm flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not a god, yet he is, he's, he's had this god in the maze trying to find his way out exactly. for, for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just really like that. But you have this defiance, um, to that comment from he who remains about, you know, you lose because the equation remains the same by, I'll change the equation. Well, yes, but the big thing here is that he remains is saying you can't get out of this without killing Sylvie. You, I gave you yeah. a choice the last time you were both here. The choice was you kill me and my variants pop up everywhere or you allow me to me to remain and go back to your, your yeah. sacred timeline. They made the choice to kill him. The variants popped up, the branches popped up, and now they're back here again and the same choice has to be made. Yeah. And he's telling him, you have to make the other choice now. You have to kill Sylvie so she doesn't kill me. But but the other conundrum that he also leaves Loki with um, is, you know, the loom prevents a brutal multiversal war mm -hmm. that will kill all of us. Break the loom, that happens. Yes. The loom stays in place. There is at least the sacred timeline, mm -hmm. but no one has free will, you know, and I, I really like, um, how that sort of plays out because this conundrum that like there's kill Sylvie or not, keep the loom, um, going or not, because otherwise you have a multiversal war or not, free will or not, yep. you know, all these different things, uh, playing, uh, on, uh, Loki's mind in terms of, what to do and all the time he who remains saying you know kill her and we can protect what we can yeah you know yeah um i thought um, it was really really good absolutely um, and loki uncharacteristically makes his big change here to his character something that he has would never have done in the past he goes and consults with his friends even though mobius doesn't know he's yeah. loki's best friend he goes back to the time theater that he was interrogated in by Mobius in the first episode of season one, yeah. he goes back there, sits with Mobius, has a discussion with him to find out all the information he possibly can about the TVA to help him make this decision and about life itself, how the timeline That's works it. so that he can make this decision. This to me was a great scene. Um, great one, yeah. And uh, this was one of the others. This is my the, the second scene with just 
two characters in, mm-hmm. which I just really thought was phenomenal. And I think here, Owen Wilson in his delivery was superb. And oh, just brilliant. The, the, the look on uh, Loki's face, I really absolutely enjoyed this, you know, with this story of killing a variant uh, at, at the Black Sea. And these two people, we see the two hunters, you know, one uh, stuttered, which is Mobius, the other had to then prune this eight-year-old because that's why he stutters because the variant was eight years old playing mm-hmm. with his brother on the dock jumping into the, the sea. Yeah. Uh, but it's Renslayer who prunes him. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of really liked how he kind of turns that where, you know, that's my purpose. Most purpose is more of a burden than glory. You know, he, this kind of influence... And I think this is the critical influence from Mobius as to uh, Loki making that choice to be the one holding everything together at the end of time is that his glorious purpose is the burden. And it's, you know, you have to be able to live with the burden. Um, There's no comfort. You choose the burden. I think some of these lines were so good, you know, and this is the burden that Loki ultimately has chosen to be his quote glorious purpose exactly. uh, at the end uh, i thought this scene was just phenomenal so I, it, the choice is really pivotal mm-hmm. and you know he hugs or they they shake hands here mm-hmm. and then mobius spaghettifies and he jumps to again with mobius spaghettifying again along with uh, b15 uh, but he then speaks to sylvie outside of time mm-hmm. um at A.D. Doug's workshop, in a sense. That's where they're spaghettifying. Yeah. Um, he, he's able to stop time uh, where he tells her everything. And I, yeah. this is the third scene that I just thought I, you know, was so good because I love Sylvie's, um, you know, she's not going to panda and say, okay, well, kill me. She still has this integrity it. to yeah. say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you my blessing to mm-hmm. say you can kill me at another point in time. And you know, look here. It's better to fight and have that free will than yes. to simply then just be someone's pawn uh, and you have no choice as to whether you live or die or yeah. who lives and dies. Like, what's know? the point of the sacred timeline if humans don't have free will, if they just have to follow this path that's laid out for them to achieve the goals of he who remains? That's the only thing the sacred timeline yeah. is there to do. So I really love that that discussion and I, oh, I you know we mentioned last week the spaghettifying moment there was brilliant was yeah, excellently really was. executed here where we have loki stopping the tendrils as they're coming towards sylvie as everything around them have spaghettified and then he's able to kind of push them back behind him as he has that discussion with sylvie i thought it was a brilliant use of the of the special effects that they've been using the last couple of episodes absolutely and then you know she adds to mobius's sort of revelation that loki has absorbed so you know there's always that possibility of hope to replace it with something better but he ultimately finishes her line for her yeah and um i thought that was really really good Mm -hmm. so yeah this whole thing you know ultimately coming from the chat between he who remains and loki i think has three fantastic scenes uh, together which you know 
moving on to our variant number three, mm-hmm. uh, produces moments, yeah. the god of time. Yeah, I guess that's what we'll call Loki here. Um, I he guess is, so, yeah. he's, he's like the storytelling god now. He's the one that is pulling together all of the timelines. But he chooses now, he'll be the one to take Victor Timey's place. He'll be able to use his powers to walk the walk that needs to be what needs to be done and he will destroy the time loom like it's such an interesting choice and as we yeah. see him make that walk out wearing his tva outfit that he's been wearing all season and transforming into this epic version of loki he, he does still have oh, the basic it. style of loki with the cloak and the horns um but here, if you look closely at the horns, they're made from the same material that we saw at He Who Remains um, Castle at the End of Time. It's the same material that are making up the horns. His cloak, as it stretches out, starts to connect with the timelines and starts yep. to become the timelines themselves as Loki starts to bring back all of these dying timelines, the it branches felt, that were uh, falling apart as he yeah. destroyed the loom. It felt really epic. Really and good. also yeah. just the way, you know, he... he tests his magic you know he holds Mm. one of the dying branches lets go and it dies so he has to hold them all it has to be connected to him and so he gathers them starts gathering different branches together as you say his cloak i just thought that was phenomenal but Mm. just the the literal scene of him walking his path to glorious purpose as Mm -hmm. he makes his way up the steps with all these different branches pulsing green um and then as he sits down i just loved the spin and i loved how he pulled you know the effort to pull it together and it goes back you know the as a epic but also mythological as well you know the legend of loki the mythology that all the norse mythology is then his version of the sacred timeline becomes this uh, world's tree you know or mm-hmm. tree of life yeah um which is so like apt it was really good absolutely i think i think it's so interesting that they chose this imagery because right back in thor chris hemsworth's first movie and of course tom hiddleston's first movie in the mcu there was the first mention of yggdrasil the world's tree that connects yep. all of the realms together and here in the final possible story of loki here we have him in that image enshrined in the tree, in the world's tree. Uh, it was so cool to have that. Again, this circuitous storyline, it's going back to something we heard about all the way back 14 years ago. Yeah, uh, I thought the scene fabulous. and the visuals uh, were just great. You yeah. know, from the world's tree to just Loki being in his, you know, regalia, his yeah. green outfit and with the horned helmet, you know, yeah. really loved it. And I was kind of expecting a kind of a cheeky smile when we returned to him right at the end, yeah. that last scene. I was expecting some kind of proud smile, something like that, but it's just melancholy in his face. He has made this choice. He knows it's the right one. And this is where he's going to be. Yeah. It's resolute, determined, but not happy about where he is he has chosen his burden exactly as uh, Mobius said you know yep fantastic stuff yeah we'll close out I guess uh, the episode with with our variant four effectively wrapping up time right Um, so (laughs) slightly different intonation than our normal wrapping up time Um, but how everything pans out for everybody else you know part of this choice of Loki's is to save his friends, make sure his friends have lives set for them, things that they ha- they can continue on with. One of the things that's set up here with the creation of this um, managed timeline by Loki is the TVA itself now have a new purpose. They have a yeah. new goal. Their job is to search the timelines, find uh, variants of He Who Remains and put them down. We see um, 
that Mobius has been working on that. He puts together a full booklet of everything that they know about all the He Who Remains variants that are out there. Uh, they talk about the uh, variant of Kang from Quantumania yep. that uh, caused some trouble in another realm uh, adjacent to 616, which is the uh, central MCU universe. And that's all been sorted out now, effectively. So they're going to move on to other variants now. But that is now the job of the TVA. Yeah, they're protecting the tree and also protecting Loki. There's the notion that they're trying to keep Loki hidden from Mm -hmm. these variants of He Who Remains. Yes. Uh, So I I really, I kind of like that idea. You know, this new version of the TVA protecting the tree, in effect. Yeah. Um, I like to... That we have B fifteen and Casey on the new board, absolutely, in a sense. and Mobius is there as well. We find that out yep. later. That all three of them are now members of the board. Um, but Mobius chooses to leave. He chooses that he's not going to take his place there. He's uh, ready to go out and do what Sylvie recommended to him all the way back earlier on this season. That he go out and experience what the timeline would be like what the real world is like um really like the conversation between mobius and b15 where he's saying to her i want to find out what it is that we've been protecting all this time exactly Uh, he still doesn't have any memory of don the person that was taken from the timeline or whoever that was from the timeline he doesn't have those memories but he knows it's time for him to go out and experience um what is happening outside of the tva so uh, i thought it was a great way to finish off his character arc as well um letting him go and go and see this father and his kids don and his two children um that loki had met up with so he can see how their lives work out and i just really liked his reaction to seeing this suburban home with a father and two kids yeah. and going it's the nicest home on the street uh, even though sylvie's joking with him the garden needs a bit of a cleanup he's going no no this is perfection this is exactly the kind of life i wish i had yeah uh, outside of the tv yeah, i thought that was a really good moment and as he says to her she wa- she's walking away and he, he just says i'm gonna stay for a while and watch this i don't think mobius is gonna stay there i think he will find his own life somewhere out there in the timelines definitely um but this moment where he's just going to watch on about what life he could have had um does leave an opening for him to go back absolutely to the tva um the seat will always be there for him i think p15 says if you ever want to come back but i think he's made his choice now that this is he wants to live out a life somewhere on a timeline yeah definitely um Whereas Renslayer finds herself waking up in the void, where we saw the original comic book Loki, played by Richard E. Grant. Yes, yeah, um, for Loki and Kid yeah. Loki and Alligator Loki, all exactly. those people were all, all there. Those. But and this she- is um, this is an empty void. It took me a while to, to understand where she was. The only thing we see there it's, um, is a pyramid. We see kind of the seal or the motto from the TVA. So that's obviously a TVA where Renslayer was. That's been pruned off the timeline and put into this void. The description that we got in season one is this is the place where everything that's pruned goes to. So this version of Renslayer has been pruned. She's in the void. Yeah. And then we just see the flashing of what was Elioth back in um, yeah. in season one, the creature that takes out all the timelines. So I like that it leaves it there. In season one, when we met all of the Lokis, um, Tom Hiddleston's Loki asks them all, why is there so many Lokis here? And they go, because we make plans and we survive. They're the only creatures that survive in the void. So is Renslayer up to the task? Can she survive and get away from Elioth? Yeah. I presume so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, potentially. But uh, I do wonder what the pyramid is. Yeah. Is yeah. that another variant of He Remains? Is that, like, we saw variants that we are saw Egyptian. A, an and, Egyptian variant of He Remains. Yeah. So it could be that. And in I the mean, comics, that's one of the 
most well-known uh, yeah. versions of Kang is, a, is an Egyptian uh, I mean, version. So, interestingly, yeah. when it first came up and you, you saw her lying on the grass seeing the, one of the pyramids, mm-hmm. I was there going, oh, that looks like the void from the first season, but just the purple light, because it's mm-hmm. so kind of reminiscent of Kang, yeah. I was like, oh, is this a version or a variant of Kang mm-hmm. that, that's come to help her from the void, or is it Alioth? And mm. um, so, I guess at the moment it's Alioth. I or, think so. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so because you kind of do hear a, a noise. Yeah. But for a moment, I was thinking, oh, she's going to team up with Kang here, yeah. or you know, one of his variants. Mm. Yeah, Ent- entirely possible. I will. I will admit though, I did go back and watch uh, season one, episode five, just to have a, a quick view of uh, of the void again. Uh, I do love that episode as well, but um, I wanted to have a quick view of that before we uh, before we record the podcast. So I think it is Alioth. It does seem to be very similar. Yeah, uh, to does. what we saw in that episode. Yeah, definitely. But we should also mention we we do get a wrap up on Ob. Um, Ob writes a second bestseller. He writes volume two of yeah. the TVA handbook. Uh, does give credit to Victor Timely, uh, even though we actually see the Victor Timely that we've been following this whole season, not getting the TVA handbook. We see him still making the candles. That window, that book doesn't appear at that time to turn that Victor Timely into the confidence man that he became when we saw him this season. So that was quite interesting. Uh, Also, weirdly, Obi continues to create Miss Minutes. Um, Back to her, the digital clock face that we've seen her have uh, most of this season. Uh, I do love when B-15 is going... Can't believe you did that. Do you think she's going to turn and kill us? And Obi kind of goes, mm, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, there was a moment as well where Loki is trying to speed up the destruction of the time loom with the the multiplier, where he goes back where mm. you have uh, Renslayer and Miss Minutes. Mm-hmm. And Brad and Timely all in the same room, yeah. Yeah, all in the same room. Yeah. Uh, I just love the reaction of uh, Miss Minutes where... She looks like a startled cat, sort mm-hmm. of going, what have I done? You know, yeah. what's going on here? I just really, really enjoyed that moment as well. See, I thought that was a bit weird oh, that I that included. It. It's like it should have played into the rest of the episode. He goes in and goes, look, I know you're hurt right now. I know you're angry, but we need to just stop whatever you're doing now and help us sort this out. And then you don't ever see her again in the episode. I just kind of assumed that that would play into the full plan that he's having to rewrite the timelines, that you would actually see Miss Minutes jumping in or you'd have her going absolutely not and then he just doesn't go back there again when he's doing his jumping around the timelines it was good to see miss minutes in the episode of course she's she's been an interesting character all season and maybe the whole point of it was for him to highlight that the reason why she's doing everything she's doing is because she's been hurt by timely and or by he who remains so i wonder if that was the reason it was in there but it just seemed odd to only have those couple of seconds with them Uh, also we don't get to go back to brad and find out what happened to him on the timeline. No, we don't, do we? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, he was pruned, of course, by Sylvie, so I guess he is dead. Uh, there was no um, continuation of his story. No. Nope. Uh, it must have yeah. gone to the void. Yeah, he must have gone to the void and just uh, just been uh, killed off there. Uh, I like to think that that post-credit uh, audio that we got last episode was uh, confirming that he did get back to, uh, to the 70s and continue uh, to make yeah. movies and video games. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> Anything else about the episode, John, that we should be uh, commenting on or talking about? Uh, no notes from me uh, for this one. I think covered everything uh, I wanted to. Right then. Well, Derek, do you defend season two, episode six of Loki? Glorious purpose. 
I absolutely do. There's been some ups and downs this season, some uh, some episodes better than other episodes, um, but this is top quality. I love the uh, circuitous nature of this episode, where it's coming from all the way back, references to the first Thor movie, references to uh, season one and going all the way through. You know, it's circling all the way back to that conversation at the end of season one, which we loved, the that whole moment with He Who Remains, Sylvie and Loki, uh, a whole episode of dialogue between those three characters and returning to it for the finale of this show could have felt spectacularly, but it plays out so well. Loki finally finding his glorious purpose, yeah. the thing he's been searching for for his whole life, seemingly. Uh, him also finding his found family, uh, this group of people in the TVA, and giving them a new life a new place where they all belong um just thought it was a great ending for the character um and i'm happy to end it there um with loki season two i i'm happy that that's a great arc for loki and that should be the way his story ends i think tom Hiddleston's wonderful if they bring him back in the future for a few scenes here and there uh, i think that'd be great but i'm i'm happy that that's how they've written this story to close it out with the second season of loki i can't i don't expect that we'll see a third season of Loki, certainly not one playing out like this, the way this story played out, because yeah. I think it's been told um, to completion <laughs> in this season. I think that's it. I think that's all you can do uh, with this timeline TVA um, stories with uh, He Who Remains and Loki. I think that's it. That They're done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, but a happy ending for me. Uh, really enjoyed that, that close out for the season. How about yourself, John? Do you defend Loki season two, episode six? Yeah, I do defend this. I give it four and a half trees of life out of five. Mm-hmm. I think this rejuvenated the, the season for me. Um, I thought it was a spectacular episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how it kind of came full circle within itself for season two and also for Loki. Yeah. It was just a really great fast paced episode, uh, which has, I thought, three really big scenes between Loki and He Who Remains, mm-hmm. Mobius and Sylvie that really felt like the heart and soul of this episode. Um, I loved the whole kind of that montage of trying to go faster and faster, you know, learn the the engineering, the science to to try and fix the loom, only to be told that you can't do that and actually this loom its its true purpose has been uh hidden by he who remains. Mm-hmm. Um you know, interesting you get he who remains kind of in a sense um you know taking a cheap shot at Victor Timely because it's all been around Victor Timely's interpretation of what that does. Yes. And it was wrong. Yes. That's why. Oh, is that what he, he told you, was it? You know? Yeah. So absolutely. I really kind of like that. Yeah. Um, I thought it just all stacked up and moved so, so well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to have effectively, you know, Loki at the end, in a sense, sacrificing his life for his friends to, you know, he's finally chosen the burden that will be his glorious purpose. And he knows what God uh, he needs to be, this God of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just thought the imagery was great with the world's tree. Um, I thought the music was fantastic. As I say, it felt epic and and poetic for Loki. Certainly in these moments where he he does step onto that gangway uh, to destroy the the temporal loom and to finally reweave all these disparate, 
branches mm-hmm. uh, and timelines together into this world's tree. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for me, four and a half trees of life out of five. Great metaphor as well, I think. Absolutely. Huge well done to Eric Martin and to uh, Benson and Moorhead as the directors of this episode. And they, they you know, wrote and directed most of the episodes this season. So overall, the vision that they put on screen here has been so interesting. Um Again, not every episode connected with us. Uh, we probably had more arguments about what was a good episode and what wasn't this season with uh, us being on different sides of it. But this is absolutely brilliant as an ending for the arc. Great job. Well done to uh, to, to everybody involved in the show. So uh, good stuff. I think we've got lots of feedback from our fellow oh, yeah, defenders absolutely. on the finale, John. Uh, let's kick it off with Coffee and Vodka. Yes. Uh, Coffee and Vodka says, Greetings, fellow conundrum-correcting defenders. Genius. They had three major issues to contend with, pun intended, and dealt with them with a fantastic blend of science fiction and mythic poetry. They had to deal with the nature and management of time and how the TVA would or could continue to exist to handle it for the show. Basically, how does one make a textbook entertaining? (laughs) They had somehow to tie up in a neat bow the mess that was the MCU Phase 4 to create a clean transition into phases five and six an industrial loom if you will and they again somehow had to replace a linchpin actor who had become a potential pr nightmare they managed all three turning the time loom into yggdrasil the tree of life with loki at the center of all space-time creation whilst hunting down and eliminating all those pesky kang variants off screen It even brought about the side benefit of tossing Ant-Man Quantum Mania into the Nevermind bin. (laughs) An expensive Nevermind bin, Mm -hmm. nonetheless. Coffee and Vodka continues, Interspersed within all of this were fantastic performances, decent writing, and stunning visuals. Mm -hmm. It wasn't perfect. The course corrections were way too easily identifiable. But where it shined, it shined brilliantly. OB, Mobius, Sylvie, and the rest all had their moments. The best for me, however, was the transition of Loki from mythical venom receptacle or spoiled, insecure trickster to godhead. In short, even better than season one. Mm. Five Kangs for the memories, temporal (laughs) transitions, and realized glorious purposes out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Kangs for the memories. Love a coffee and vodka. Great stuff. Yeah, t- totally agree with uh, with your um, assessment there. Coffee of Vodka, there's some really, really brilliant moments, some great moments of writing, great moments of acting, um, just some great characterization and some, some really good poetic choices at the end of the season that we have here. And it does give them options. There are there are moments that they've set up at the end of the season that give them options to Definitely. make different choices than people are expecting them to make. Now, I will say, throughout the MCU's history for the last... 20 odd years it's been very difficult to predict where they're going to go even when they've announced the names of movies and uh, who, what, who the cast are going to be they've always been difficult to predict exactly where they're going to be going so you know something like calling a movie Avengers Kang Legacy doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Kang as the villain it could be the legacy of Kang and how it plays out with other characters like Renslayer for example so you know they can make they can still make those choices they still have written themselves into a very wide open space rather than writing, writing themselves into a corner uh, with this final episode. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. Uh, so good, good choice there. Yeah, great stuff, Coffee and Vodka. Um, uh, I think, yeah, that blend of science fiction and mythology, mm-hmm. I, I think, was stunning. Uh, totally agree with you there. Uh, yeah, great stuff. 
Absolutely. We also got an email in from Victor Timely Von Doom, who says, Greetings, fellow variants. Wow, talk about Groundhog Day on steroids. All in all, I felt this finale was bittersweet, and we are left with a lot of questions. For example, did Loki just make himself an Yggdrasil? Could Kang or even Ravona Rensselaer return and kick Loki off his throne? Perhaps things will be addressed in future films and shows. Looking forward to TVPI podcast and feedback. Excelsior, Victor Timely Von Doom. Well, I guess that's the way the MCU rolls, isn't it, Victor? You know, it's, there's always going to be things that that they can pick up, can move on with in the future. Yeah. But for right now, if you left Loki in this position for the next thousand years, that is his glorious purpose. So they may never return to Loki. They may never have to come back to those questions. But they are there in case somebody wants to pick it up in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. Thanks, uh, Victor Timely Von Doom, for mm-hmm. the feedback, as always. Uh, good stuff. We also got some Facebook feedback as well. First up, Heather Wallace, who says, Time Loop. I do enjoy a Time Loop episode. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a great one. Mm -hmm. Seeing Loki take charge was brilliant. And I need an audio recording of Tom Hiddleston saying, you're being so brave to reassure me in any crisis. (laughs) What a journey this character has been on from the jealous trickster brother to the calm and steadfast being holding the threads of the universe together. For those keeping count, there was one Loki hair flick, but it was quite half-hearted. How long is Mobius going to stand outside his own house, and is anyone going to notice he's there? Yes, uh, great. Thanks, Heather Wallace. I guess his two kids are going to be looking out the window saying, Dad, Dad, there's that crazy guy just staring at the house. I mean, I guess it's a bit like Halloween uh, in the end. Mm, Michael Myers yeah. standing outside the house. <laughs> it will turn into Michael Myers. Either that or one of the neighbours is going, did Don buy a suit? <laughs> Why is Don wearing a suit? Is he getting a new job? Is he going for an interview? Has he got a twin brother? <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Heather, for your uh, for your hair flick watch this season as well. I'm going to really miss that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we, we need hair flick watch uh, more, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know who else can do a hair flick like um, Tom Hiddleston. Nobody else does them as well as him. Well, not at all. Or we could have the, oh, it's so unfair, uh, her flick. <laughs> so that's in the Young Avengers in the future yeah, or something. Exactly. I wonder if there's a character like that uh, yeah. coming up. Oh, God, Mom, it's so unfair. <laughs> flick the goth hairdo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks so much, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Also over on Facebook, Donald Dennis says, it's Groundhog Day. At one point, all I could think was how divisive the talking at the end of time finale was for season one and how they were just doing it again to poke at all the folks who complained. It was brilliant i don't really feel the effects were up to making the operatic ending of loki grabbing all the timelines and making it majestic but then they may not have been possible with a limitless budget and time it was great to see ob's book get a second edition also destined to be a bestseller i like the season and i'm glad i got to binge it all the episodes a few days before the final episode dropped i think that really helped the viewing experience in this instance it feels like this was written to be the end of the tva arc and that any future tva or loki stories will be substantially different Hmm, interesting. Thanks, Donald. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I think certainly the TVA as we have known it through most of Loki, yes, Mm -hmm. it is uh, is gone. But I I did like the the kind of new version of the TVA here. Yeah. Um, And I I think, you know, that would be interesting to see if that will come into any future properties within Marvel. I mean, in some respects, I guess it has to. Uh, Yeah. But it depends how they are taking... 
the Kang legacy, you know, uh, and the Avengers, how that is going to play out ultimately. I think I'd love to see a moment uh, in one of the future uh, MCU movies where we have a Kang variant and a time door opens behind them and one of the new TVA tries to prune them from the timeline and is taken out by Kang. Something like that. I think that would be really interesting just to have a moment where one of the Minutemen arrives yeah, I think uh, so. behind him. Yeah. I kind of just want to see the geeks and nerds actually save the world. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. within the MCU. In the end, it's a load of uh, administrators in the TVA that will save the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on, Casey and Obi. You've got this. Yeah, excellent stuff. Thanks, Donald. Philippe Gurgil Florencio says, Wow, I'm speechless. It's so amazing to see the god Loki back again. Tom Hiddleston's acting is out of this world. I know some people, if not most people, are getting tired of the Marvel formula recently, but I'm very cautiously optimistic after this Loki finale and the Marvels. <sighs> Ooh, excellent stuff, Philippe. Um, uh, yeah, completely agree. I love Tom Hiddleston's uh, acting in this. Mm-hmm. And I loved him opposite Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. and Owen Wilson and Sophia DiMartino as mm-hmm. well in this episode. I thought there were some great scenes. Uh, so completely uh, agree with you there. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. The only thing I wish they'd changed at some point in the season was Sofia DiMartino's haircut. Um, <laughs> she did get her haircut back from season one, of course, when they did the jump back into He Who Remains His Palace uh, or His Castle at the end of time, because uh, it had to be the same as season one. But I wish they'd given her an opportunity to go to a hairdresser at some point. <laughs> but she is fantastic. Loved, loved uh, her moments this season and loved Tommy Hiddleston as well. Thanks, Philippe. Yes, and I'm also guessing you have seen the Marvels as well. Yes, so. yes, we have some feedback from uh, Philippe for Excellent our Marvels stuff. podcast, which yeah. we'll be talking about tomorrow. So uh, thanks so much for that, Philippe. Cassandra Leanne says, My first reaction after the episode was done was, I'm not sure what I expected, but it definitely wasn't that. I loved it. The imagery towards the end was absolutely beautiful with Loki grabbing all the timelines and it turning into Yggdrasil, but also melancholy since Loki just wanted his friends back and ends up completely alone. Thanks, Cassandra. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It Mm -hmm. was just that great sort of aspect of, you know, in a sense, that downbeat moment for Loki. But ultimately... It's his choice. And, so it's actually yeah. upbeat in a sense, even though it's lonely and melancholy, as you say. Yeah. But I completely agree with you. But and also one of the most selfish, childish characters in the MCU has made a decision, a selfless sacrifice yeah. for uh, for his friends and for the entire uh, timeline. And that's yeah. it. You know, I know you said he doesn't smile or do a grin, mm. but there's a little flicker uh, mm. on... Um, on his mouth. Uh, so inside, I reckon, he's elated that his friends are safe and able to do what they want as they want. There you go. You yeah. know? Yep. Absolutely. Thanks, Cassandra. Yeah, thanks, Cassandra. Uh, Mindy Megan says, I have so, so many questions, but the one that's eating my brain the most is, why the close-up shot on the loafers? <laughs> I know it was a dramatic moment, him stepping over his... <laughs> <laughs> over this threshold and i'm curious about this costume change overall and its probable comic significance maybe connected to the later 616 reference but was this another ad are we going to find out gucci made those loafers for loki <laughs> loki loafers loki loaferson i'm sorry <laughs> mindy we love that <laughs> yeah mindy that is so good yeah maybe it is gucci loafers i 
Gucci <laughs> Leverson, yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I was, now you say it, yes. I I hadn't really clocked uh, just that close-up of the loafers as he's kind of stepping up mm. to, to claim his throne. But yes, there were quite a lot of them. Um, I, I was kind of writing other things down, like, you know, as I say, walks his path to his glorious purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's why I didn't spot them, because I was too busy writing down <laughs> uh, the literacy of what he's doing to get to his glorious purpose. Yeah. But uh, I kind of need some new loafers. So well. yeah, maybe some <laughs> Loki loafersons would be quite good. Absolutely. I'm sure uh, Gucci are making them right now, hoping that uh, hoping that everybody's <laughs> going to buy a pair. Uh, I actually just thought they, they looked more traditional than, uh, than just a regular pair of shoes. So they were kind of saying he was starting out at that at his old costume, the old old version of his costume that it would had thousands of years ago, and then building into this brand new version of it as you know the horns grow out from those little tiny horns that he had in his head to those monstrous looking ones made similarly to the castle at the end of the time. Um, but the loafers stayed the same. <laughs> you have to have a comfortable pair of shoes if you're going to be sitting at the end of time uh, forever. Yeah, but he didn't really have very thick socks on. No, so I wonder how cold it is. Though. Well, wrapped inside the world tree, he's looking very comfortable. Yeah, I guess uh, that's very quite cozy. Yeah. Like, like an owl in a in a little nook and cranny of the tree. There you yeah. go. There you go. Thanks so much, Mindy, for your thoughts. Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Mindy. Uh, Joe Herbert says, well, that was not what I expected. I mostly really liked it. Interesting stuff, though. It did drag a little at times, and Loki grabbing the timelines looked a little hokey. Guess there won't be a season three. Part of this episode reminded me of the movie Edge of Tomorrow. Wasn't there a story where someone spent years, decades learning advanced physics? Yeah, well, that's the, I think so, live, die, repeat, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's the one with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt where he's having to do uh, iterations of something. I can't remember. It's such a long time since I I watched that. I know, he just keeps getting killed over and over and over again. It's good for good movie. I have to actually watch that again. Nice nice reminder there, Joe. Um, Joe continues, by the way, why would it take the god Loki centuries to learn the required physics, which seems unnecessary since they didn't seem that far from fixing the loom in the previous episode? And you think spending so much time on this issue that the problem with infinite time plot... And you think... And you think spending so long on this issue that the problem with infinite timelines would have occurred to Loki. I'm a little surprised Moby has left the TVA. Taking a break to check on his original life makes sense. But where will he go then? He said the TVA was the only life he'd known. And he was good with it. Though I guess he didn't sound as thrilled in the flashback in this episode. Among the several things I didn't expect in this finale, the disco fifth of Beethoven from my youth being featured was definitely most unexpected. <laughs> Guess we don't know what happens to Brad after him watching his co-workers and whatever Doc's was to him get squashed to death. I guess he's not going to be involved anymore. Renslayer is at the end of time again. Probably can't escape this time, but they left it a little open for a ret- to return as a villain. Seems like this episode is probably the last of this Loki we'll see. And original Loki died in Infinity War. Maybe they'll bring Hiddleston back to play another variant in Secret Wars or something. He's so good. On the season overall, I thought it had great stuff. Certainly the most creative of the MCU shows. And Hiddleston is always fun. But it got a bit too wrapped up in MacGuffins at times. And all the techno babble and time shenanigans undercut the emotional impact especially since sylvie had a lesser role so not perfect but wish all marvel shows were this interesting and so well made 
Thanks for that, Joe. I think that echoes some of the sentiments we had about yeah. about the uh, the show so far. Definitely about um, lots of techno battle time shenanigans going back and forth over and over again. <laughs> in some of the earlier episodes, it was kind of like just get move on to uh, where where you're trying to get to. With this episode, I think a lot of that is rectified, as you, as you mentioned earlier on, John. You know, them getting to this glorious purpose. It's easy to forgive uh, some of the earlier uh, movements in the season that they try to work out this. Uh, incredibly complex uh, resolution to what needs to happen here. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I think when they did emotional impact, they did scenes of emotional impact. It was really, really good. And I think the great thing, you had the three in this episode and it just carried through and it, it, it lent into the emotion of God Loki at the end of time, holding everything together after making his sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you know, and accepting his burden. And there is part of me that thinks, you know, this episode and some of those key points within it spread over this season, I would have found far more interesting. If, you know, rather than all the red herrings around the loom, you know, five out of the six episodes. Uh, So I I definitely agree with you there, Joe, as well, Mm. as well as the disco fifth uh, of Beethoven. (laughs) Uh, I just thought the music uh, and the the choice of... um, different songs and soundtracks and so on were really good in this episode yeah uh, so good yeah yeah um you had a question in there as well about why would it take god loki centuries to learn the required physics and and uh, engineering and uh, and mechanics i think that was intended as a joke so loki does get beaten quite often in the mcu he is known as a as a um manipulator and as mischievous but not necessarily as very intelligent so there's a little bit of a joke there when Obi looks at him and goes, how much do you know about physics? And he goes, well, not much, but I'm a quick learner. And Obi looks back at him and goes, well, then it's going to take you centuries. Yeah. And all we get to see is the title guard saying centuries later. Yeah. I think that's just a joke on yeah. learning this stuff is really, really complicated. Unless you have a natural aptitude for it, like Obi and Casey seem to have, it's going to take you a yeah, very long time to learn it. I so. mean, Loki does actually say to Obi, well, I am a god. So I think it is more of a joke here. Um, but I'm guessing it's all the setup that's having, you know, like the, the moments that he's trying to influence or speed up yeah. are in a sense, you know, I said, I'm saying this, but requiring a better word, fixed in time to some extent, but he's trying to speed them up. Yeah. But, you know, he can't speed up the birth of Victor timely. So whatever iterations that don't, work when he's doing it and ultimately mm-hmm. he's working on a problem that is the wrong problem to solve as well which is never going to work yeah and, yeah you know so i guess there's a bit of element in that as to why it takes time but mm-hmm. I, I think as well at its heart is a little bit of a joke exactly exactly but great stuff thanks so much for your thoughts uh, on the season and on the episodes uh joe yeah thanks so much joe we also got some feedback from Adam Shimsack, uh, who says, I may owe the MCU the Good Omens You Were Right song uh, and dance. I was expecting the same old CGI fight, and they dropped something that was pretty amazingly cool. I even think they accomplished a way out if the major thing goes south to pivot away from him with, oh, the TVA handles him. Now look over here and don't mention Kang ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Adam. I think uh, certainly... I actually think they've created a number of different branches that the, uh, the MCU can go down and maybe 
can go down a few of them, but one being the primary one, you know, so... Or the sacred one. Or the sacred one, exactly. (laughs) And I think, like yourself, yes, I probably owe them the Good Omens song as well, uh, because I do think it really kind of pulled it together. And it's not to discount maybe some of the you know, techno babble and, and, and slow pacing around and red herrings mm-hmm. thrown in there. But I, I think you're right. This, this was a really amazing ending. And so, yeah, I think the Good Omens uh, song is required. Well, as you uh, ask and you shall receive, and for those of you who haven't seen uh, the Good Omens t- TV show, this is one that we use every time that we get something wrong. You were right. You were right. I was wrong. You were right. David Tennant's <laughs> Apology Dance from uh, Good Omens Season 2. Uh, always worth it. Absolutely. Definitely check out Good Omens as well, fellow defenders. Absolutely. And uh, follow on, along with our podcast on TV Podcast Industries. Well, well, there uh, we go. Yes. Great stuff. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, Sandy Rescindy says, So I was a little down in the season, but boy, did this finale deliver. Loki finally realized his glorious purpose. Loki has always been my favorite MCU character, and this has got to be the best character development we have ever seen. Great stuff, sadly. Like, it really is great character development. And I think they've done such a great job establishing the character over the last 14 years, but really focusing on him in the first season and him getting this point where he has to make that choice of what is his glorious purpose and the choice he makes here. I think it's a really good arc for the character. And as I said earlier on, I think I'm pretty happy if they close off his story here, they've left it on a great arc. Yeah. So we can have appearances by him. You know, you have your moments where you have mischievous Loki turns up to do something and that's fine. But I don't think we're going to get a better story out of this character uh, than what they've delivered here. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything, he'll be a facilitator of other drivers in exactly. the MCU. And exactly. um, plus the interesting thing learned from Jimmy Kimmel, you know, he started out this when he was 29. Mm-hmm. He's now like 42. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I, Only 35 years younger than me, or at least he looks 35 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I guess th- this character has been there now uh, with us for a while. And mm-hmm. I totally agree. You know, this is great, um, a great arc and development for, for Loki. So, Absolutely. yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, finally, let's go to Richard Blaze for the final word on Loki Season 2. Richard says... Thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Love a good groundhog ripoff. For me, the Loki story is done now. And whilst I'd like to see more of him, I think any further seasons would just be repeating what's done before. A fitting end to a great show. Uh, good thoughts there, Richard. Yeah, I mean, totally. Um, I would certainly uh, agree with you. I'd love to see him more. But I think the adage with Loki now, if he is even going to come back into mm-hmm. the MCU, is uh, little is more. Yeah. You know? He can uh, come back as a, as a supporting character, um, but they don't need to have a, cent- a central story with him now. He's, he's, he's told a great story here. I'd love to see him consulted on something or brought in for uh, a big moment in the future, but um, I don't think he needs to join the Avengers or anything like that uh, in the future. Uh, great stuff. Thanks so much, Richard, and thanks everybody for all your feedback that you've been sending into to us throughout this season of Loki. Loki. It's always been great, kind of checking in uh, with the wonderful fellow defenders to find out their uh, thoughts and feelings. Uh, interestingly, Donald Dennis was mentioning there that he was able to binge the series, and that worked really well, well for him. We can say it now. We said it earlier on in the season as well, but we did binge the first four episodes of the show, and I actually thought it didn't work as well binging four back to back. There, I kind of uh, thought it wasn't. Um, those first three particularly back to back I was kind of waiting for the story to kick in so um, I I, I I thought maybe stretching that out could have been better I I don't know why studios 
ultimately in the end do that to for reviewers because then you get season reviews based on four episodes oh, yeah. rather than the full season which in this case you know i think could give a very different review than if you're you know reviewing six versus uh four episodes yeah i mean for me i know reviewers now are up the walls probably reviewing xyz there's so much content yeah but i think just give them one episode, one episode uh, a week, literally yeah. one episode a week yeah. uh, in advance, so they can go along with this. And if they don't want to do that, so be it. Yeah, review right. it at the end of the series after yeah. all six episodes have been released. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But I'm really happy that we get episodes in advance. But um, but yeah, it would just it would be great if people were reviewing either the entire series or one episode at a time rather than re- reviewing the entire series based on three or four of the episodes. Yeah. Definitely. Good stuff. Thanks, Richard. And thank you so much for all the feedback over uh, season two of Loki. And of course, for this episode, it's really, uh, as always, great to get your feedback. We're continuing our coverage of a very different comic book universe with our chats about Invincible season two over on Prime video and of course we will be back in the mcu very shortly with the marvels featuring captain marvel miss marvel photon and of course nick fury uh, which opened this weekend Mm -hmm. uh, on friday the 10th of november yes hoping to record that tomorrow it should be out later on this week so get your thoughts into us if you have a chance uh, email us into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries you can catch up there on anything that we're covering uh we should have spoiler posts for everything uh, and we usually uh, announce in advance of all the shows that we're going to be covering uh, because there's still lots of stuff uh, to come later on this year as well. Absolutely. And with all that lots of stuff, remember, fellow Defenders, please share the podcast, uh, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing Sharing the love. love. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Defenders. Uh, Speak soon when we discuss the Marvels. Uh, In the meantime, and until then, keep watching, keep listening, and, of course, keep defending. Bye. Bye.